Isaiah chapter 59, verses 14 through 21. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away for truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself prey. The Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal like a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands, he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord Yahweh from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I've put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, Barrett. I hope you're not still holding a grudge with me for the uh the dreary passage yesterday. <laughs> but we're we're back in some greener gospel pastures here. I was a little upset with you, but you were today you were. we're good. All right. Good. You and me, we're good. <laughs> we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. All right, I'm glad to hear it. So this is the the gospel that we sort of mentioned yesterday. Hmm. The the bad news that Isaiah presents is your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Right. The good news is that when God saw that hmm. and saw that there was no one to intercede, he himself crossed the chasm. He yeah. he crossed the separation and came for his people. And, and I love this imagery of you know, God puts on zeal like a cloak and and a helmet of salvation, hmm. which uh, is kind of familiar language. And so what are your thoughts on this passage and what it speaks to us today? So, Will, as you know, I've been teaching a story class mm. where we're going through the story of scripture in six weeks. Which I hear is amazing. Well, uh, regardless of that, we are going through the story of scripture <laughs> and... Um, and I, I mean, it has been a great time. Like anytime you're studying the story of scripture, it's awesome. But um, on the fourth week, I believe it was week four, which would have been not this past week, but the week before. But we were um, we were talking about this kind of this time period that Isaiah is writing in. Mm. And, you know, Isaiah is an interesting book because the first 39 chapters is kind of like him prophesying directly to you know to um israel and then you know specifically king hezekiah there at the end and then all of a sudden he does this like future prophecy of the exiles Mm. who are in babylon and so i I think one very often overlooked or like maybe it's just not taught much in churches is is the exile yeah and so i think people don't generally don't understand 
Israel going into exile and then when they came back from exile. Sure. But all of this is like vitally important kind of leading up to Jesus's day. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I would come to passages like this to kind of show, you know, once the exiles are in Babylon, I mean, they have left, they have left the motherland, yep. right? And and they did it because of their iniquities. I mean, what we read yesterday, those those terrible things that they have done and and in second kings uh 24 20 it says that god cast them out of his presence yeah and i think that's in a very literal sense because his presence dwelled in the temple which was back in jerusalem Mm -hmm. and so jerusalem has been burned the temple has been burned and destroyed and they've been kicked out of israel and now they find themselves in a foreign land and when they're there isaiah and other prophets like ezekiel are writing these things that are kind of telling them of a future day mm-hmm. when God, their God, Yahweh is going to act on their behalf again. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when, and, and I think you kind of need to like grasp that story when you come to a verse like verse 20, when it says, and a redeemer will come to Zion. Mm-hmm. And so what it's saying is that, that God, this redeemer is one day going to return to Zion and Zion's kind of a, you know, one of those terms that stands for Jerusalem or, even like yeah. the, even like the Temple Mount, yeah. But uh, and so, so a redeemer, God is going to return again to Zion, where where, where it's it's been this like years and years, yeah. hundreds of years of silence between God and His people because of their iniquities. But God, you know, so the promise is that one day He is going to act on their behalf again and and return back to them. Um, and so I, this is what this is talking about. And then as you referenced in verse 21 it talks about my spirit that is upon you uh and so and so there's this hint here and it's and it's stated more emphatically like in uh jeremiah 31 mm-hmm. and, and passages like that that there's this part of god's covenant which we know is the new covenant mm-hmm. um and and that's mentioned in the in the old testament as well that like there's gonna there's the old covenant under the law of moses and then there's this new covenant that's coming mm-hmm. where you know, God's words will not be written on tablets of stone, but they'll actually be written on our hearts and God will give his spirit to us. And so it's foreshadowing this, this, you know, amazing time when the spirit of God is going to be given to his people. And this is, and this is the amazing news. And it's, it's all because, so, so the way that this happens is through the defeat of the curse of sin. And it's all because Jesus comes and sacrificially chooses to give his life as the perfect sacrifice. And because he's the perfect sacrifice and because in his death, he took on the curse of sin and in his resurrection, he defeats the curse of sin is the only reason that like the spirit of God is actually able to be given to each of us to indwell us. Yeah. You know what I love about this passage, what provokes the gospel what what provokes the salvation of God for man? Hmm. It's nothing that Israel's doing. This is this is pre-repentance, right. yeah. you know, and, and that basically this re- redeemer will come to Zion to, for those who will turn from their transgression. Hmm. Those who will turn, like what has is provoking God suiting up for war and delivering His people, is that He sees that. There's no one to intercede for man and it displeases them. It's like right there in the text. Mm. Yeah. And 
that is such an encouragement and it's such a portrait of the heart of God that, right. you know, it, it's not that he was impressed hmm. by Israel. It's not that, you know, he sees this, this group that, you know, is, you know, inciting his mercy, but it's just that he sees there's no one to stand in the gap. There's yeah. no one to cross the separation. So he does it himself. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. that's so vitally important. Just, mm-hmm. And the way that we preach the gospel to ourselves every day and the way yeah. that we worship and rejoice in the gospel as a church hmm. to know that it's because of God's great mercy and his great love. Yeah, and yeah. that is what stirs him on towards us. That is what leads him into war for his people. Hmm. And just a great reminder. And, and then, you know, again, here, the passage ends with this prophecy of Pentecost, of God's mm. spirit being given freely to all of his people. Mm. Very radical idea if you're, you know, an ancient Israelite. Right. And it, so he he prophesies this. And so, you know, what we live in now, it's not some amendment to the Old Testament that came along, but it's actually the fulfillment of God's plan that was laid out for thousands of years. Yeah. And... So we we see clearly God's heart here, his, his sovereignty and his hand in history. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's I mean, as the writer of Hebrews says, it's it's the better covenant. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, praise the Lord that like we get to live in an age where we, you know, get to experience the better covenant. Um, it, it is better than the old covenant in so many ways, and yeah. and so we're uh, should be eternally grateful for that. Uh, I I do want to point out verse seventeen. I I think it I think it is very deserving of a mention. But it talks about that he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And so you know, for those of us who've read the Bible at all, like this immediately makes us think of Ephesians six mm-hmm. and kind of the the armor of God as it's usually called. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are kind of two pieces of that armor that are that are mentioned here. But it's interesting that in this passage in Isaiah, it's God that's putting on the the breastplate of righteousness yeah. and God that's putting on the helmet of salvation. Um and I, I mean I think what we can so when we when we read passages like Ephesians six, we're not like Paul is not just like thinking of some cool analogy mm. of like, hey, you know what? Like it's it, it's kind of like in the church we're to be warriors. Yeah. And yeah. like we need to put on all this cool armor. No, he's actually referencing back to Isaiah mm-hmm. 59. And I think he's saying that you need to mimic or you need to be like God in this passage yeah. you know, and, yeah. and put on the breastplate of righteousness. So now we've been given the spirit to where, where we can put on the breastplate of righteousness. We can put on the helmet of salvation. Um, and, and it's not just God doing that. So God has made that possible through Jesus for us to be able to, to mimic him in that. Absolutely. You know, God here... Yeah, we we see this image and then Paul like harkens back to it. And I think the subtext here is that we're called to be imitators of Christ. And, mm. and you know, we, we are we're not saved and set aside. Like we're not like saved and it's like, all right, on to the next ones. But we're actually called into a kingdom mm. and into God's ranks to to yeah, absolutely. to do what Isaiah fifty eight says, to undo the straps of wickedness and let the oppressed go free. Mm. And so, you know, what do what do people in an army wear? They wear what the commander wears. You, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. And so it's it's this stirring image of like now you are in God's army. That's right. And, and it's not against flesh and blood, but it's mm. it's against 
you know, the, the spirits, the principalities that are mm. holding the nations captive. And it's to bring people into this covenant with God where yeah. his spirit will be put in them for all time. It's good, man. Yeah. It's great words. Good stuff. And, uh, yeah, may we be those people who, who dress like Christ today, mm. um, and to proclaim the gospel to uh, a suffering world. So for Barrett Fisher, this is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.